Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturated, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I'm joined by my co-host and co-founder, Craig McDonald. Welcome, Craig, wearing his Clippers hat that he won't let me wear. I've got another one that you can wear. I I've tried to two. wear it one day. Actually, so I've got that, three. Take that hat off. Take that off. Yeah, this, this is this is the new one. The new season. Yeah, because it's going to be a big season. He's pretty excited, isn't he? He's in this fantasy league with some other guys. My One of my best mates' um, husband is the GM of Gold Coast Basketball, and they're just really into basketball. So they've got this fantasy league. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. This is What's what, your this team's is what name? It's the name. <laughs> You've got the shittest team name. I was like, that's terrible. Big D's average Joe's. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, dodgeball. You know, people get that reference. <laughs> Roger. Roger. Anyway, so he's doing his little fantasy league and then I won't see him for six months because it would just be upstairs in level three watching the basketball constantly. Yeah. Hoping that his team's going to win the Clippers. I know. Look, if they can't get it uh, together this season. What, are you going to disown them? No, of course not. Through through mm. thick and thin, but... Uh, this is as good a chance as they're ever going to get. So, oh, good. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed yeah. for you. Thanks. Yeah. It's in your best interest. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next couple of episodes, we put out a little few posts about doing a QA. So, we'll split it over, split it, split it. We'll spread it over two episodes because there's quite a few uh, questions. And just because a few people have asked me, um, they said, Oh, can you do a podcast about the recovery from your breast lift? And fat transfer, I'm like, oh, I don't think it needs a whole bloody podcast, but I'll uh, give you an update. So it's what I got it done Thursday night. So about five o'clock maybe. And so now it's what I'm on to day five. Um, and I feel like I'm past the worst of the pain, which is really good. So it was pretty painful the first couple of days. Um, so, and I really didn't have a lot of appetite actually, but I've really forced myself to eat, I think, because of obviously the anesthetic and then the taking the painkillers, which make you so bloody constipated. I've been smashing the cascara, but I stopped taking the painkillers. <laughs> I've had a full day now with none and I'm good. Yeah. Um, and I've just upped my collagen intakes, having 40 grams of collagen a day, vitamin E, um, salt. heaps of salts, just my normal foods. So what I would usually eat, uh, and just really resting, you know, so obviously no training, just, you know, it sleeps not that great last night. It's slowly gradually improving because obviously mm. you're just in pain. Mm. Um, and yeah, the tits are looking good. I think so far, like the swelling, swelling's going down. It's so funny. You know, I was like expecting way more, you know, judging McJudges and comments on Instagram. And <laughs> there was only really two out of mm. hundreds yeah. of messages that I got from people really nice. Yeah. One lady was like, I hope you didn't get this for, uh, what did she say for, um, oh, aesthetic reasons. Yeah, or something like that, like yeah. um, to be vain or for cosmetic reasons, cosmetic or yeah. whatever. And I was like, "Well, of course I fucking did." Why the, why the fuck else would you get them? <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't show why my boobs look like spangles yeah. anymore. Yeah, I just like, I walk down yeah. the street with my tits out all the time, yeah. so everyone can fucking see. So it was really important to me. It's like buying a new dress, you know. Yeah. I just want to walk around and show it off. Yeah, and look, I don't. I really like. Like, I I look at other women with fake boobs. Like, we'll be walking down the street, and I'm like, oh my god, Craig, check out that chick with the big fake boobs. I just didn't want to have mine in anymore, and they were so big. Craig's like nonsense, but they were. They were just too big and too annoying, and 
yeah, it's so much better now that they're smaller once I've got them out. But yeah, I have no, no nothing against other women that want to have fake boobs. Mm. I just didn't want to have them in myself. So, you know, I just obviously got them out. And then we I didn't get the lift at the time because the surgeon said, look, don't get it. Because if you're thinking about having kids, it can affect breastfeeding. And at the time we were thinking of having kids. So I just decided not to do it. And then once we decided not to have kids, I was like, fuck it. You know, I don't want the spaniels anymore. So I went and I'm really glad that I did it now that I'm over the worst of the pain. Obviously, I still have to have like five more weeks off training, which is the most annoying part, but yeah. it's not that long. So I think I'll be able to get back to short walks tomorrow because I'm feeling good today. And you just you get sick of lying down and, you know, sore back. It's just terrible being so inactive. It just doesn't feel good. Mm. Um, but obviously, I don't want to push it. So I'll just throw in some little five. You definitely seem a lot better today. Like, yeah, I just, feel like I've really turned the corner. Like watching you get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just some basic stuff. You're like, oh, before now, you just sort of, you know. Yeah, it's so much better. It's amazing. Yeah. All the swelling's gone down, which is pretty cool. Um, I, that that was, you know, when when I think back, like when I had my hip surgery back in mm. 2019. You know, I, I, you know, it was funny. Like um, after the surgery, I was just like, you know, bring me up my normal food, which was the. <laughs> you know, the steak and the, you know, and the fruit and um, I think it was like chocolate milk with heaps of collagen and maple syrup and, and, and all of that sort of stuff, heaps of salt. I was just like, just douse everything in salt. Mm. And I remember like you bringing it all up and the nurses at the time, they were like, oh, you shouldn't eat all this food straight after surgery. You know, it can really make you feel sick. You know, I think you should just stick to the, mm. you know, the bit of food that we give you. And I, I was just sticking in the back of my head. I'm like, oh yeah, thank you. But I was thinking, I'm just like, there's no way that I'm eating your hospital fucking dog shit. Thanks very much. Yeah. yeah I'm, this is as good a quality food as you get. Mm. And I ate it. I felt instantly better heaps. So I really feel that was a, the huge game changer. All the swelling went down. When I got home, I was just putting heaps of red light. On yeah, the, I've been doing the, the red area. light three times a day yeah, for 15 minutes. Red light. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting. Like I went um, and saw the, the the surgeon, you know, 10 days later to, to do the checkup. And I walked into his office and he was like, whoa, like you're like the first person who's ever actually walked into my office mm-hmm. after the 10 days of surgery. Everyone's still mm-hmm. on crutches. And like, it was like a two-bold thing because I just believe that like, if you, you're giving myself all of the food and, and, you know, really kind of, you know, maybe going a little bit too overboard with, with some of the nutrients and different things, but I'm like, it certainly can't hurt at this point mm. and just doing all the red light and, and doing those things. And then just trying to get back to an, as normal function as possible is, is what really helped that. And I think the swelling. So um, one thing I noticed, you know, with yours, like mm. I said, they were really sw- swollen the first few days and whatever, but like you can really see them. Improvement, like, yeah. Normalized it's pretty, already. It's it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's um obviously I think when you're healthy and nourished and you know, eating the liver and the oysters and the collagen and the salt. And you know, I've had broth every single day and really yummy lamb neck broth. And mm. um, I didn't track my food for like the first four days because the first day obviously you fast the whole time, and then I just had a small dinner when I got home because I just was feeling really tired yeah. and in pain, so much in the pain kills. The next couple of days I sort of sl- felt slightly sick. But I still forced myself to eat because I was like, you need to eat, Kitty. So I ate my normal breakfast, I had um, the lamb next to you for lunch with fruit. And then I ate quite a lot of fudge and milk. It's just what yeah. I felt like, sweetness yeah. in the milk. Yeah. And then had some part, little heart made pasta and ate half of it. And then as the days progressed, I sort of got my appetite back, bought a packet of Anzac biscuits. I just love Anzac biscuits. Ate them over two days, more fudge, more milk. And then I properly did a meal plan for today because I'm working and I'm getting back into it. So set the calories at around 2300 
just see how that fits. So far, I feel good eating that. Um, obviously, my activity levels are massively reduced, not training, so I don't need as much. Um, but feeling good, I'm going to have tacos for dinner and then some ice cream for dessert. So just eating same foods, but just less. And then I'll just gauge it by my hunger levels. But yeah, my weight's just staying the same. Still about 60, so it was 67, 66.7. So I'd say, you know, I'll just monitor the calorie intake, still eat the foods, you know, listen to my body and just, yeah, I, I you know, I probably, I'd say my weight won't change. I'll just have to lower the calories a bit. Yeah. I don't feel as hungry either because I'm not active, as active and, and training. So, um, yeah, so, so far, so good. Excited to, you know, see, I've sort of got this like little, I want to impress the doctor when I go there on Friday. I want him to be like, wow, wow, look how amazing you're, you're healing already. <laughs> I want to beat the six weeks, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because also I want to get back to training. It does, yeah. you know, like if you're just giving your body everything that needs to, to mm. repair it, certainly in this situation, it's more stress than usual. So mm. obviously just, you know, going a little bit overboard with like yeah, salt and just, you know, other nutrients and sort of stuff. Like why? why just resting you... too when you feel like yeah. you need to rest. Like today I felt better. So I just did some little laps up and down the house. Mm-hmm. I just needed to stretch my legs too. I was getting yeah. just sore legs and sore back. And mm. so that actually felt good, but not too much. Yeah. Just a, body just... just a little bit, just enough. And then tomorrow I'll do a little bit more. And then, you know, obviously, hopefully, um, maybe three weeks in, I'll be able to start some light lower body stuff. Obviously, no upper body shit for at least six weeks. Um, but who cares about chest anyway? You know, chest exercise, they're the most boring. Um, so yeah, we'll see. And I'll keep, keep documenting. <laughs> Excuse that me, is, he says. Okay. Absolutely not the case. Keep documenting and keep sharing. Um, but anyway, let's, let's get into it. So, um, question number one, Craig, yes. can walking on a treadmill, and I'll say the exact words that they've written. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this on the podcast. Simple things would be simple ones, don't they? Can, we'll be in this case if you're laughing that hard already. <laughs> can walking on a treadmill cunt the steps for the day? <laughs> it is a bit of a shit way to do your steps, actually. It, you can obviously count, but it's boring. I totally, I totally understand what you say. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh. <laughs> okay, so, so, so sorry, just clarify what they're saying. They're just basically asking if they walk on the treadmill, does that count towards their step, daily step target? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because some days, like, I think a treadmill's a great way if it's raining, you know, just yeah, get resourceful and get the steps yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Obviously, it's yeah. ideal if you get outside and do some activity and get in the sun, but... Yeah, and you can't always do that. So I think it's just get resourceful. So no, that's an easy one. Yep. How much fat on average should women consume? Uh, so there's two ways to look at this. Uh, number one, uh, in terms of actually how much fat that you need, it's it's really not that much. Um, you know, I think just purely from a, you know, fat-soluble vitamin absorption point you know like if you're eating things like um you know red meat uh eggs maybe you're you're eating uh or consuming dairy that has a little bit more fat into it you know i think if you're doing all those which are all awesome foods you know certainly very nutrient dense then you're probably going to you know easily hit around kind of the 40 to 50 grams of fat um and then depending on you know 
quantities and maybe some other choices, you know, up around 50, 60 grams. If I look at people on, on kind of average, you know, a lot of our clients that have done really well in terms of their body composition change, you know, we look at fat in terms of just having enough to just facilitate some of those biochemical processes, but anything after that is not really giving you any, any further, um, benefit it's you know we look at protein for what it gives you we look at carbohydrates from an activity perspective and if you're lifting weights because lifting weights is glycolytic in nature so it uses carbohydrates for fuel then it makes sense if you're you know lifting heavy weights and you're trying to progress those that the big bulk of your calories uh, should come from carbohydrates and then fat should really be just kind of based on you know a basis you know and when we look at that anywhere between 40 to 50 grams is probably good i have had a few clients that go a little bit less than that around the sort of the 35 because they prefer to structure their diet in a way where they've just got more carbohydrates and that's totally fine but i think the other point is you should put enough fats within your diet that allows you to build a meal plan or follow a nutrition framework that allows you to adhere. So if you prefer to have a few more foods in your diet that have a little bit more fat in them, and that's going to be enjoyable for you, then you should kind of set that fat amount relative to that and then fill the rest out with carbohydrates. And would you say, Craig, it's like a range too? Like, And also too, like what's the personal preference? And I think the higher your calories get, like when I push my calories up, push my fat up as well. Um, When I'm tracking, like I don't always track now that I'm not obviously trying to lose body fat, but um, strictly track, I should say. But like some days, you know, my fat might be 70 or 80 grams and the carbs will be lower. So if you're just maintaining or, you know, you could have a bit more of a range in what you actually prefer. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You know, and, and there's no real right or wrong. Again, when we're looking at a, a lot of the studies in terms of just pure weight loss, you know, once calories and protein are equated, you know, especially if it's your weight loss, you need to be in a caloric deficit. Once your protein set, then the uh, ratio of carbs to fats makes no difference on that. Out- that makes no difference for that outcome. So, you know, if you prefer to have a little bit higher fat because that allows you to eat the foods that you enjoy um and allows you to adhere and create that calorie deficit then hey you you know lose uh weight just fine i just generally find with a lot of our clients especially the ones that are really change want to change body composition then it just makes sense because if you're you're eating more carbohydrates your training performances are going to be better your recovery is going to be better um and generally as they start pushing um you know calories higher they generally just find a happy baseline you know, like I said, anywhere between sort of 40 to 60 grams of fat for most people. And then they're just like, oh, can I just have more carbs? I'm like, okay, we need to bump up by another 150 calories or 200 calories. What would you prefer? And they're just like, oh, can I just have more carbs? Mm. You know, Because it's easy just to add more fruit or add a bit more rice or add some more potatoes. It doesn't really affect the macronutrient ratio in terms of your, you know, it doesn't really affect your food structure so much. Mm. Um, Because you can just, you just go, well, I'm just going to add another 50 grams of rice. or I'm just going to add, and you know, it's just pure carbohydrates and nothing really needs to change too much at that point. Um, But again, it's purely on um, personal preference. And I would always advise at the end of the day, find uh, a fat amount that allows you to build a meal plan that you can stick to. So cool. Um, Start there is a good point. Where would you like to travel? Craig's at a big. Yeah, where would you like to travel? We're not really like um, huge travelers. We don't no, I'm too much traveling. of a routine person. I like my. It's going to sound so boring, hey? Well, but no, I, if there was one place that I would like to go, uh, it would be Japan. 
for sure. Which is not that far away. It's only eight hours. Yeah, I've, I've been, traveled, I've been, I've I've been to China before. and I've been to New Zealand. Mm. Um, I've been really anywhere else. I've been to a few parts of Australia. I'd really like to go to Greece. Greece would be cool too. Yep, yeah, Greece would be good. So I, I don't know what it is about Japan. There's something about we can go and the culture there and yeah. Yeah, you need like some that. sushi. Go some skiing. No, yeah. he's like, no fucking skiing, Kitty. I don't want to go skiing. <laughs> he didn't yeah, love skiing, skiing, did skiing was fun. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It was fun. It, it's not something that I'm, you know, chomping at the bit to do again. But mm. uh, I do love sushi, though. Fuck yeah. Mm. So good one. Yeah. Um, next question Is it okay to eat chickpea? chickpea pasta every day sure if you like it and it digests well for you it makes you feel good eat the chickpea pasta every day yep absolutely yep not personally something i'd eat i'd rather just eat normal pasta because it's much more delicious i think yeah yeah but as long as you're just seeing it as that if it's something that you really enjoy and it doesn't cause you any digestive issues and you know cool by all means not to Um, sell out what do you think of ray pete's diet change i i think so funny like it's like well, he's very peasy. Diet change. What, yeah, what diet. You know, he's experimenting with the lower protein and everyone's okay. having a big kerfuffle. Oh, it's like, right. oh, yeah. I think he's he's amazing and he's just experimenting and he's an 80-year-old guy that doesn't strength train. Like everyone thinks, oh, now I should eat 40 grams of protein. I'm like, well, use your brain. Like think about, are you Ray Pete? Are you Ray Pete? <laughs> yeah, and he's doing it to to find a certain outcome, you know. He's doing it for a reason. I think he was trying to see if he could use less thyroid. I was talking to Kate about it, right. um, but he yeah. massively increased his carbs too, like huge. They were like super high um, and he yeah, found yeah, he could yeah. use less thyroid. So it's like, he's not saying that everyone should do it. He's just talking well, about that, what that he's would experimenting make sense with. If he's, if he's kind of understands what his maintenance calories is and we know that carbs, yeah, maintenance protein. are in a surplus, are, are protein sparing. So yeah. if he, he's he's essentially getting the same outcome, but just kind of bringing down that macro macronutrient in order to facilitate a yeah. specific outcome. So yeah, he would I need think. to be eating quite a lot of carbohydrates to facilitate that. But um, yeah, but uh, in, yeah, I don't think Ray P. I think if you were about art, and he would never answer this because he's he's his thinking and the way he handles things is so far beyond most people's comprehension. <laughs> the way his brain works is pretty incredible, but I, I think he would, he would never agree that there was ever a thing called a repeat diet. He no, would just go, no. here are a bunch of foods that do a certain thing and we, that produce this outcome. So therefore it makes sense if you're wanting, you know, to improve thyroid and just overall general health and better, you know, um, cellular function, eat these foods. Uh, and I think that's as probably as far as it ever went. And naturally people have kind of latched onto that and gone, Oh, this is the repeat diet where he's you just like drink was... three liters of milk a day. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, yeah. Find so, what works for you and what you enjoy yep. and what you can stick to. And like, mm. you know, it's all that's, that's a message that he's often, yeah. you know, stood with for a long time. Like he's just like, look, you know, at the end of the day, you should, eating enough calories you know relative to you know you try and eat enough protein because you want to maintain muscle mass um because that helps with metabolism and you know like eat enough uh carbohydrates to you know fuel your daily activity these are some foods that are probably easy to digest and contain the nutrients that your body needs yeah that's right like he's you know if you were to just take those things he, he does approach things at quite a high level and just kind of goes, well, use them as frameworks that, yeah, and then find what, what you sense. enjoy. Yeah. You then know, it's like you, your diet's different to my diet. We like different things too. Like yep. fucking Craig eats his mints and his rice every day. 
I'm like, I don't like, I mean, I like a bit more variety than Craig, but anyway, let's go to the next question. Um, thoughts on reverse carb cycling. What is, what's reverse carb cycling, Craig? I don't know. Reverse carb cycling. Mm. Um, I'm assuming well, it could be maybe two things. It's yes. your carb cycling in a reverse diet or your you or reverse carb cycling. Is it your, you're eating more carbs on your rest days instead of your training days? Adjusting your diet so you consume carbs in the later half of the day. The proposed reason oh. is to prevent insulin spiking, but also to take advantage of hormone changes. I think I'm like, oh, you need carbs throughout the entire day. I think like we, we well, find that women that get the best results, like they spread their calories relatively evenly throughout the day and then around training. You know, they they keep it simple and just take their calorie intake and divide it by how many meals that they're going to have. I, I think there's probably a few ways to look at it. I think in that context, and again, we kind of, without, you know, is the person in a calorie deficit or in a surplus and when, when's the person training, I think is probably mm. something that's, that's good to ask. If you're, tra- <laughs> excuse me, if you're training at night um, and you're in a but I calorie- don't think they're saying that. They're just saying eat the carbs later in the day to prevent the yeah, but, 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 yeah. but what I'm saying is if you yeah. were training at night, sure, that would make sense if you were in a calorie deficit yeah, but- and how you kind of break down carbs. Because yeah. when you're in calorie deficit, you've only got so much to play with and it makes sense from a recovery standpoint to have more of your carbs pre and post workout. So if you're training at night, yeah, that's a strategy that absolutely makes sense. I think if you were training in the earlier parts of the day and you were doing it that way, I think that would be a very suboptimal way of doing things mm-hmm. because also remember your body's in more of an oxidative state earlier in the day as well. So you're going to be burning through energy at a, at a quicker rate. Digestion is a lot more active and if you're also training, well, training performance and recovery is all going to happen around that point. So you would do the opposite and have a lot more of your carbs around that time and, you know, taper it off sort of, you know, maybe in the late afternoon, maybe you have a little bit more, you know, before you go to bed or, you know, around, uh, around dinner time and that sort of thing. Um, so it, I think it kind of, I think it would be context dependent, um, but, you know, also curious as to, you know, the actual reason why you think it might be beneficial um but having more carbs later in the day as opposed to early in the day yeah it doesn't not something that i would i would uh kind of recommend any clients do um i would i could understand that from the point of from the, the fasting people they don't eat and then you know they kind of have more food later in the day sure but i'm not a big fan of fasting um so yeah yeah not um probably not something i would um inclined to do uh where's the sheet sorry i've lost the link here we go could one get results following vegetarian or pescatarian diet so pescatarian just doesn't eat i was just i couldn't remember pescatarian but i think they they eat um eggs and dairy and seafood so i think um yeah you could definitely see results because you're eating animal proteins. Um, The only thing you're missing out on is the liver. 
um, which is really high in vitamin A, B vitamins, copper, choline, like a load of other nutrients. But you can get vitamin A from eggs and full fat dairy. It's just not as much. But I think, yeah, you could definitely, because you're eat, at least you're eating those animal proteins and you can eat, you know, shellfish and you can eat oysters. Um, just really the liver that you're missing out on. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think you can get most of the benefits. Yeah, you just be seeing out the liver. Doing it. Yeah, just, yeah. 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 So you'd have to eat more eggs and more dairy. And the thing is, obviously, for full fat dairy, it's just hard. The liver is so nutrient dense for like low fat as well. Yeah. You know, you're getting so much vitamin A. But I think, yeah, you, you could definitely see some awesome improvements. Yeah. Doing pescatarian. I'm like, look, just eat the liver. Okay. Mm. Because pescatarian, but just have the liver or the liver capsules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Um, and I think from that part, if you're doing that, you, you pretty much got it nailed. You know, like I, I love, um, you know, red meat and that sort of stuff, but I know a lot of people just don't like it and for whatever mm. reasons. But I'm like, if you can have some dairy and then you're doing the fish and if you could just mm. even just do the the, the, the liver caps mm. and eat, eat oysters and that, like you, you, you're getting a lot of the nutrients good. that you need yeah. and getting the bioavailable animal proteins. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's what they're important for. Um, and that's what you miss out on when you're vegetarian or vegan. Um, yeah, ve- vegan, I, I, will, I, yeah, can't, I could never no. subscribe to that. For, 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 yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. But vegetarian, sure. If you can, if you can do yeah. eggs and you can do some dairy, then yeah. hey, you, yeah. you're going to be doing pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Um, what happens if you eat over one gram per kilo of protein? I eat a lot, I eat a lot of yogurt and cottage cheese. Nothing. It'll only be. Will you die? Beneficial. No, absolutely not. And uh, there's no um, study. I, actually, I've read studies where they've they've had people up to uh, three three point two grams. I think the ISSN did a study, like a protein overfeeding study, and they looked at all of the heart health markers around that, like um, you know, C-reactive protein, like chronic inflammation, you know, kidney health, um, liver function. Um, and there was, there was no changes in any of those health markers. Um, so there was no deleterious effects at all from, from consuming a high protein diet. And that's like three, 3.2 grams per kilo. Like that's a lot of protein, you know, that, that might be like four, four, 500 grams of protein a day. That's a lot. So I think indirectly you, you might get some digestive issues, um, it's unlikely you'd ever be hungry eating that much protein, which is, you know, in some cases a pretty good thing. Um, you'll certainly be very anabolic. Anabolic as fuck because you're having so much amino acids available. It ultimately, at that sort of point, you're going to go be making pseudo-carbohydrates anyway from just all the extra protein. Your, your body's going to convert that for energy anyway. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think for most people, we're just not going to want to eat that much. And I think the general kind of one gram, you know, per pound of body weight or 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight um, is kind of on the top end of where most people kind of sit pretty well. That's going to give them. And when we look at a lot of the the studies around um, muscle protein synthesis and, and, you know, anabolism and building muscle in, in resistance training individuals, that's the range that certainly seems to be really well you know on the bottom end of that if you're in a surplus you know anywhere like about 1.8 grams per kilo and then once you're in a deficit you need to kind of be up around that 2.2 or a little bit higher um to kind of maintain that because you're in a catabolic state so having a little bit more protein when you're dieting um, is beneficial so within that range is generally all you need um, but if you like to go a little bit higher than that because that's your preference it's perfectly fine no problems at all cool 
Um, how do I know how much carb slash fat to be consuming for weight loss? Um, so that is purely on personal preference. Um, you need to first make sure that the total amount of calories, which is made up from the protein, carbs, and fats that you're consuming, is is in a deficit. So you need to understand what your maintenance calories are and then work out uh, how big of a deficit you want to create. And then once that's done, you then need to establish how much protein. So when you're in a deficit, you want to be working off that 2.2 grams per kilogram uh, of body weight. And then after that, the, the ratio of protein oh, of carbs and fats should be enough just to hit that car, that calorie target, which is already creating a calorie deficit for you. So you're just you're hitting that target by consuming, you know, the foods that you ultimately enjoy. And if that means that your fat's a little bit higher, that's fine. As long as the calories are still creating that deficit in total, then that's fine. If you prefer to hit them by having more carbohydrates, which is generally what we recommend, especially if you're weight training. And that's fine too. So like I said, work out the calories to make a deficit, then work out your protein amount based off your body weight, and then just make up that total amount of calories with a ratio of carbs and fats that, that suit you best. Cool. Um, I think this is what this lady's asking. Can you do a simple as full day meal plan that you could do every single day or does that not work? So I think what she's saying is, can you eat similar things day to day? Um, and I think, yeah, absolutely. As long as you're getting the, the, like, I guess, like we say, getting covering all the basic bases from a nutrient perspective. So, you know, yeah. you're getting like, you're eating liver and oysters at least you know once a week, you're having some fruits, root vegetables, you know, um, some bioavailable animal proteins, eggs, we don't have to eat eggs, but you know, as long as I think, yeah, you're covering the nutrient bases, it's fine. If you want to keep it really simple and eat similar things day to day. Yep, that's exactly what I do. Yeah, same. You know, I, I pretty much do eat the same things every day <laughs> um, and have done for a long time. You know, I might swap the odd piece of fruit here or something like that. But, you know, usually for me, it's during the day, it's red meat, eggs and rice and fruit and rice pudding. Dairy. And then at, at night, it's prawns Milk. or scallops with air fried potatoes. And then I'll have my casein and custard before I go to bed. Um, and I like the way I structure my diet, like I hit all of those nutrient targets really, really easily, you know, and that's, you know, for we, for me, one of the biggest things that I value is that all the foods that I'm eating are the best bioavailable sources, easy for my, to, for me to digest and absorb. So therefore I'm ticking that box, but also they're structured in a way that that meal plan is really enjoyable for me. So to a lot of people, they would look at what I do and they're like, oh, you just eat the same thing every day. And I'm like, yeah, but it's easy. I enjoy it. And it ticks all the boxes from a nutrient perspective. Well what we find with a lot of women in our program, it seems to work well. And probably what I do too, is that they'll eat, they'll just change their meal plan week to week and they might rotate their dinners out with their families. So just make it fit. So they'll eat the same breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks for a week. And then they'll just rotate the dinners and then they'll change it up week to week. So it's like a weekly meal plan, which is sort of what I do, but I seem to just rotate through the same 15 meals. You know, you've just, I've just got the babes, like I'm having tacos. It's a lot of tacos. I you know, love the lamb next year. I love, you know, meatballs or some sort of meat with air fried potato chips. I love pasta. So I just seem to like rotate through the same old, same yeah. old yeah. You know, meals week to week anyway. But no, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, will you gain weight in a reverse diet? Yes, uh, you will. But depending on what type of weight is going to be completely dependent on 
how you've gone about things. So if you have, um, if you've started a reverse diet and you've put on, you know, say over like a couple of months, you've put on five kilos and that is based on the fact that your body weight has gone up, but all of your measurements have gone up. Your clothes are feeling tighter and you're just looking fatter. Well, the reality is you've put on five kilos of fat and that's happened because all you've done is gone from a baseline of um, being on lower calories at a lower body weight to increasing your calories and being more than what you need and your, your weight has gone up. Okay. But the weight that's gone on has been fat, and that's ultimately what most people don't want. Um, if you want, if you want your weight to go up, but be of lean body mass, that's where training uh, has to be on the fact that as your training performances go up, you need to slowly increase your calories relative to when your training performances start to plateau or you're starving. And if you're doing a check-in every single week, you can see what's happening with your measurements and your weight. If your weight is stalling or even starting to drop off, then you can bump your food up, but you've got to be making sure that from a training perspective is that you're, you're at least maintaining the list at that point or still continuing to push up. So with all my clients, when they get down to a lower body weight, you know, the training program they've been doing for a long time before that is what's developed the muscle underneath. Then they've gotten to a point where we just focus on maintaining their current list and let the diet and the steps bring their body weight down by you know, however, however much that they want to go down by. And then once they hit that, you know, body weight set point, we let them sit there for a couple of weeks just to kind of go, okay, this is where you're at. And then we start the reverse diet. So basically at that point, uh, as the food goes in, their training performances should be going up. And as they continue to go up, they'll basically just, you know, and I pretty much just say to them, I'm like, the moment you start getting hungry, let me know and we'll bump your food up. So a couple of weeks go by, you know, they've added, you know, a whole bunch of weight to all their lifts and they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really, really, really hungry. Look at their rate of gain in terms of their total body weight and what's happened with their measurements. Yep. Bump it up by another 150, 200 calories. Let me know once you start getting hungry again. Get another couple of weeks go by. Trading numbers continue to go up. Look at their body weight measures. Weight goes up by a little bit. You know, it might be half percent of their, their body weight over a couple of week period. Yep, that's in line with the rate of gain that we want. Cool. Still feeling hungry. Yep. Okay, we'll bump up the food a little bit more. And then all of a sudden they've added six, seven, eight hundred calories back in. Um, and their weight has gone up, but the weight that they've added on is all lean mass. So their body composition has continued to change favorably. Um, and their fat mass hasn't increased at all. And awesome. that is the, that's the that's ultimately the body composition change that everyone leads to because when you when you can get down to super lean, your body is so insulin sensitive at that point that as soon as you start adding more food in, certainly in the, in the form of carbohydrates, your body just soaks it up like a sponge. And then when it soaks it up like a sponge, and you go and train that following week, like I said, if you've established a really good training structure before you started this whole fat loss phase, then the reality is those numbers are going to continue to go up and you know, your, your, your body composition is just going to be led to just adding more lean mass. Mm. And it's like more lean mass just means more wins, looking sexier, mm. <laughs> looking amazing, feeling muscle. amazing. Um, but with any of the, 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 the negative effect of increasing fat mass. So yeah. if it's done right, that's exactly how it works out. And it's, it's fantastic when it does. Mm. But 
you just got to look at it. You know, when you add weight, it's only going to be two things, muscle or fat. Which one would you prefer? Mm-hmm. You know, if you just want to add fat, that's uh-huh. fine. Just don't do it. Don't change anything you're doing and just eat more food. That's really, really I don't easy. think anyone wants to add fat, Craig. No. Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's right. Okay. So you've got to do things a bit differently if you want it to be muscle or fat. <laughs> Next question. This is a good one, actually. When you're happy with your physique, how do you train? Do you still push to failure? It is a very good question. Mm. So what builds it, maintains it? So let's say, for example, let's, let's use the deadlift because I, it's, you know, the one that I use the most, you know, a deadlift variation, which a conventional deadlift or a stiff leg or Romanian, whatever. Let's say you've taken your deadlift from say like 60 kilos for 10, and then you get it up to doing like a hundred kilos for 10, right? So you've added 40 kilos to the bar for the same amount of reps, you know, at that point, especially if that 40 kilos added on is you lifting weights that you've never lifted before, then your body is going to look different, right? It's going to have more muscle because you've become more capable of lifting that weight for that many reps. At that point, if you're like, I'm really, really happy with um, my physique, then the reality is you just need to continue lifting that 100 kilos for 10 reps because what builds it maintains it. So you can get away with doing about a third of the volume at that point. So instead of having to do one, two or three sets plus a whole bunch of other stuff, you could literally go in and just do one set of deadlifts, you know, for 10 reps. Obviously over time that will just get easier because you're still going to continue to adapt to that. And it might be advantageous at that point to just try and increase it a little bit. But I mean, I'm yet to meet anyone who kind of just sits at a weight and just kind of goes, yeah, I'm pretty happy with this. I'm happy to just do the same weight and reps over and over, even though they're becoming so much easier. I think it's human nature. Just go, oh, this just seems so easy. I'm just going to add a bit more weight to the bar or whatever. But ultimately that's an approach that you could take. And as long as you're good with your, your food and you're maintaining um, your composition, that's relative to the output that you're doing. Um, or sorry, the, the calories that's relative to the output that you're doing, then you, you, your composition will maintain favorably. And yeah, it's really that easy. So you've got to put in a lot of work to build it, but the, the maintenance, you can get away with about a third of the volume. It's amazing. Yeah. And because and, and it, it, you just got to remember, it's like, you've got to just create a novel stimulus. You've just got to send that signal to your body that just goes, when I lift this, this is how much muscle I have for these body parts. That's, you only need that signal once for your body to just go, oh, okay, cool. Right. I need to maintain this current muscle that I've got. So in that case, if it's a hundred kilos for 10 reps that has your legs and glutes and lower back and whatever looking the way that you want it to, sweet. That's all you ever need to do. Yeah. Thanks, Craig. I'm just going to pull this episode up now. We'll chop this into probably two or three shorter, more easily digestible episodes for people just so they can listen to them on the run. Roger. So just a reminder, if you are new here or maybe you've been following me for a while and you just haven't done anything yet, uh, don't forget about our amazing seven-day Eat More, Train Less, Get Results Challenge. So we designed this challenge as a kickstart or an introduction uh, to what we do. Um, and we developed it over years of helping women restore their metabolisms and, you know, not have to diet on 1200 calories and flog themselves seven days a week in the gym. 
to achieve their health and body goals. And unlike other programs you'll find online, it's a holistic approach. So it provides you with everything you need for long-term success. So more energy, more stable moods, better sleep, good digestion, you know, balanced hormones. And of course, long-term sustainable fat loss or body composition change. Sure, you know, obviously if you listen to us for long enough, we very much encourage you to build muscle and strength training. Um, so it provides a full meal plan, workout plan from home and the gym, training exercise videos to guide your workouts, metabolically supportive recipes, advanced supplement guides, direct support, private community, um, and much more. So it's you get all of this for a one-off payment of $27 Australian dollars, and you also get access to four weeks of live coaching calls with myself and Craig. So it's going to give you everything that you need to get started. Um, and just covers all the basic fundamentals. Um, you know, I guess the principles that Craig teaches in our program that gets the women, the results that they, that they get. And I think, you know, for most women, it's just, you can eat real fucking food, <laughs> you know, like I feel like that was the best thing about finding Emma and Ray, Pete and me, obviously meeting Craig, he didn't introduce me to the nutrition, but just being able to like eat delicious food every day, like tacos tonight for dinner and ice cream every night. And just finally finding that food freedom and having the knowledge to change not only my health, but my body composition without having to do dumb or drastic things. Um, you know, and it all just became so clear to me. I was like, wow, this actually isn't that hard. It's just, and when you do this, you'll be like, it'll just make so much sense. I think and you'll wonder why you did all the crazy stuff that you did for years and years and years. So if you followed me, you know, I did the same stuff too. Don't worry. You're not unique. Plenty of experience there. <laughs> well, I've done loads of dumb shit. Um, well, what did you say you ate uh, tuna and apples? Yeah, pretty much tuna and apples for 12. Cause I was going to see this dude in Melbourne, this guy, this and I dude. wanted to be lean and it worked obviously, but then, you know, I just couldn't ma- maintain it obviously. And I gained the weight when I got back and I felt like shit. Um, so yeah, just lots of silly, silly things like that. That's not the worst thing that I've done, but, uh, it's yeah, pretty, pretty silly. But anyway, so I'll pop the link in the show notes to, to our challenge to jump in and grab that. I think you'll love it. Uh, and then we'll see you next week for part two of Q and a with coach sausage. Mm-hmm.